0: Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Conduct Multiple Interviews, Chapter 1, Part 1. Here we go. So today we're going to talk about how to interview candidates by conducting multiple interviews. But before we do that, we should talk a little bit about interviewing and, and the role of managers interviewing, because probably, I'm guessing interviewing is probably, well, I don't know, maybe in the top top, top five, top 10? 10 <laughs> of things that managers do. What do you think? You, you agree with me? David Letterman would say top 10, but we would say top one.
1: <laughs> um, we may have said it 20 times. We, well, Frank, we may have said it 50 times, but yeah. Interviewing candidates effectively is the most important thing a manager does, and frankly, I, I suppose if we were just being marketing geeks, we would say everything is the most important thing right. managers do. But right. but we have reserved interviewing, right? Bringing on new candidates, new uh, employees. We have reserved the interviewing process, as the most important thing managers do. And frankly, when you think about it, because we haven't talked about it all that much over five years, I think some people have probably been surprised. But we say it, we mean it. The most important thing you can do, folks,
0: when it comes to being a manager is hiring the right people. Yeah. And here's the problem, though. And you call it the Christmas rule. I run into Christmas every time, right? Christmas is terribly important to us, right? right? Uh, we we want to treat folks well. We want to take care of folks. The problem is we only do it once a year. We don't do it very often. So we get yeah. no practice. or The practice we get is spread out you know, in, in little events over the course of decades. And so we stink at it. And interviewing is kind of like that. You can go years without interviewing somebody. And then all of a sudden, you have to interview and you stink at it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, when you think about it,
1: ask yourself of the companies that we know, the places we've been, Mike, I mean, there are places that teach management behaviors, management skills. There are places who teach communication skills, maybe even leadership skills. But how many of them have ever mentioned to us, do you remember a single instance in the last five years, and I can go back further, 15 years even, that a company actually mentioned they trained specifically and directly on how to interview somebody. Nope.
0: Last time no. I saw that was 20 years
1: ago. Yeah. It really is surprising to me. And, and you know, I've said it before on the air. We ought not to be surprised in our business, but if you <laughs> yeah. do hiring well, everything else is easy. If you do hiring poorly, everything else is harder. I think because of indirectly the Christmas
0: rule – People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to train for it because it's a fairly rare event. Well, and here, here's something even worse, right? Is that the only time folks have a chance to learn is by observing others doing it, right. and everybody else thinks at it yeah. too. So yeah. all the models we have for interviewing, generally speaking, are pretty bad. We look yeah. at our manager. We might be able yeah. to. We You're might right. be able to sit sit in an interview that he or she is conducting and it's probably done poorly. Here's the thing, though, that you and I, as we're sort of joking about this, here's the thing we know that perhaps many of our listeners
1: don't know. It's not hard to learn. It's just not, right? I mean, learning how to interview effectively, learning how to make human capital choices is not complex. There's nothing that we're going to tell you over the course of the next 10 or 15 or 20 casts, however many we create, um, I could probably spend 50 hours on it, so maybe many more than that, no matter how many podcasts we create in this topic, there's nothing we're going to talk about that's going to stress people out in terms of, I don't get it, right? Right. We're simply going to lay out a very logical way, a simple way to understand how to evaluate whether or not somebody should be on your team. Now it's not going to be easy to follow in the sense that we're going to be asking you to engage new behavior, but in terms of complexity, it's fairly low. I think,
0: I think on our complexity scale, don't you? Yeah, I agree. There's nothing complex about this in terms of, at at least in terms of mentally, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Simple to understand. Simple to understand. And it just takes a little bit of discipline and and planning ahead and, You'll just do fine. So, so okay. So, this interviewing poorly is about as bad a thing as you can do. If, if it's the most important thing yeah. you do as a manager and you do it poorly. And people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad thing. So, I hope we, we've beaten that, that horse dead. Yeah. It's like, I'd like you to be tall. Unfortunately,
1: you're very short. Right. Right. And there's not a lot to do to overcome that. Yeah. But we can overcome that. It's a bad. That. Yeah. The, the Christmas rule combined with the value of the thing. Just makes it a really, really dangerous thing. And let me, let me do something I rarely do, but, but I should have done a long time ago. Let me apologize that we haven't done more on how to interview, how to be a great interviewer over the course of the last five years. We've got many, many casts to deliver on this topic. It's an important topic. When you get done listening to all of our casts on all this stuff, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel confident. You're going to feel like. I'm going to feel good when I make a a go or no-go decision that I've made the right one. And
0: that's really why we're here. Good. Okay. So, we're on like chapter one of a zillion chapters on this stuff. Yeah, we really are. So, so what what are the things we're going to cover in chapter one?
1: Yeah. I think it'll surprise people to hear that we want them to conduct multiple interviews, even if they're interviewing their best friend. I mean, really, if you've known your best friend for years and you're certain he or she is sharp and professional and effective and a good match for your organization, for the culture organization, we still recommend you conduct multiple interviews because interviewing is hard and the more time you spend, the more likely you are to feel confident about whatever decision you make, good or bad. So, we have seven recommendations in this cast, Mike, I can't imagine... We're going to get to all of them in one cast, but you never know. depends on how fast I talk, I suppose. Um, But let me just go through them really quickly. First of all, every single one of our casts in the How to Interview series is going to start with this first point, which is interviewing is the most important activity of effective managers. And look, there are a couple of simple reasons for that, folks. The quality of your people is the most valuable discriminator that an organization has. It's simple. If your people are notably better than another organization's people, all things being equal, which they never are, but to some degree, those things tend to equal out even out because strategy might be better in one place, but tactics might be better, better in some place else. HR might be better in one place, but logistics might be better in some place else. All things being equal the quality of the people in the organization is going to be the most likely discriminator or lever, if you will, in terms of that company's success, okay? But if you if you think about that for just a moment, folks, you've got to agree, quality of people is based on two simple factors. The quality of the raw material we bring in and how well we develop those people, right? If we bring in low-quality people – we're going to have to work really, really hard to develop them to get them to the level that we want them to be. If we bring in high quality people and then we also develop the stuffing out of them, we're going to be hard to beat. And that's why that gatekeeping function that managers have of choosing the right person, separate from development, which is obviously addressed by many other casts that we have, if you choose the right people, which boils down to who do you give an offer to and who do you not give an offer to, you're going to be much better off than the manager who is not good at this most important process. That's number one. Then for this cast, we want to go through a few other points. First of all, Horseman's Risk Assessment. Um, We shared a number of, uh, I think a couple of years ago, something called Horseman's Wager about how individuals approach being interviewed but there's also a two-by-two two matrix that applies to how do we think about who, whom should we hire and why should we hire that person? We'll walk through that. And then we have some very prescriptive, very specific, very simple to follow, at least intellectually, recommendations. Uh, point three is we recommend you interview every single candidate who's going to be a director of your time, a director of yours, I'm sorry, at least three times at a minimum, And if any one of you wanted to write to me and tell me, I did that five times, I will pat you on the back for doing it. Three times is the absolute minimum. And we'll explain why. The first interview, this is point number four, the first interview is always a phone screen. And the the reason for that is very, very easy. It saves you a bunch of time and money. The second interview has got to be a face-to-face interview with you. Okay? You've got to interview people face-to-face. The third interview, this is point six, is also face-to-face. And this is where you address your concerns from the first interview and also expand it a little more broadly because most people don't accomplish as much as they want in their first interview. And then our last point in this cast, and it's one of a number of casts about how to interview people, is these recommendations for three interviews, it's only three interviews with the hiring manager. We're not suggesting by any stretch, get it out of your mind right now, that we're suggesting you only need to interview somebody three times. We are suggesting you only need to some interview somebody three times. But in fact, there will be many more interviews for them to pass
0: before they, in fact, would be considered to get an offer. Did you hear that sound? What sound is that? Yeah, that was the sound of thousands of people turning oh, off the podcast no. because they're scared of how much worse you know, occur- involves I'm glad
1: you said that, Mike, because because it occurs to me people want this to be easy, right? And we're going in exactly the opposite direction. Yeah, we'd like it to be. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we unfortunately, really we know it makes no sense for us to make recommendations that no one is gonna follow. It doesn't, all right? We may be right, but to stand upright and fall on our swords after we stand upright and say, we are right and you guys are all wrong, while no one follows our guidance, it's silly. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of our time. It's a waste of your time. But Mike's right. What we're suggesting is distinctively different than what most managers do. And we are prepared to spend a great great deal of time convincing you that we're right Enough so that you'll engage in different behaviors and make your organization better.
0: Yeah, I will, and look, we can have you talk to hundreds of managers, thousands of managers yeah, yeah, that do it this way and have the best organizations in the world.
1: Yeah, and they won't make a big deal out of the fact that when they didn't do it that way, they sunk at it and they started doing it this way and, oh, things are better. What they'll say is, dude, I got to tell you, if in fact they use the word dude, if they're of a higher intelligence level, they'll say, dude. Whatever you do, follow their guidance about interviewing because I interview that way and it works. It takes longer. It's a little bit harder, not more complex, but it takes extra steps. And in fact, I have learned the worst thing in the world is to hire the wrong person. Yeah. And all the interest you have in hiring the right person is made moot by that one bad hire that you could possibly have. So follow their guidance and hopefully we'll make it, hopefully it'll make sense to people and we'll be compelling in our delivery.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that hiring the wrong person. Folks, I've done it. I didn't follow advice. and Often I did (laughs) and had some great hires. Yeah, Uh, But um, when you get a bad hire and those of you who are experienced managers, you've all done it. You know what it's like. It's painful. And here's a way to avoid that in the future.
1: And folks, those of you who have made bad hires, send us a note, tell us a story. We'll be happy to share them when we can and say, hey, (laughs) this is what happens when you do it wrong. It seems okay at the time until you realize, oh my gosh, I've got to actually manage this person for the next 18 months, knowing that in three months, your thought is I've got to get rid of this person whom I mistakenly hired. Nothing worse than that
0: and compare the amount of time you spend with that bad hire oh, uh-huh, right oh, with with the that. amount of time we're suggesting you spend to make sure you get a good hire and it, right. it's you know it's it's a Mind lot day. more right it's it's yeah. much more painful to have a bad bad hire okay so let's so let's get on with it. our first point interviewing is the most important activity of effective managers we've said that already we talked a little bit in the beginning you think you had some additional points so i think we really want to hammer this one home a little bit. Sure. So, look, we're going to start every cast in our How to Interview series
1: with this reminder. You know, I, I've, I've often said in front of groups, in front of conferences, and in front of clients, I've said, look, if you strapped me down and said I could only teach one thing, thing for the rest of my life, what would it be? The answer would be one-on-ones. And so, some people might come at us a little bit and say, wait, I thought one-on-ones were most important. It is the one thing I would teach in terms of managers with their teams that are already in place and so on. But the fact is, hiring people in the long run, if you had a 30-year career as a manager, the most important contribution you will make to your organization is the caliber of people you say yes to and the lack of caliber of people you say no to. I wish this were more clearly understood. Look, the idea that... Hiring is the most important activity that managers engage in, at least effective managers engage in, is alluded to. I mean, people, they mention it in passing. The one that always surprised me, and this is true in the last five years or so, from probably 2005 to 2010 or their balance, they have been saying a phrase that has been fairly common in the strategy world lately is, Hey, before you decide which direction your bus is going to go, in other words, what's your strategy going to be going forward? What's more important than that is make sure you have the right people on your bus. Okay. Now, what's interesting about that when people allude to the idea of having the right people on the bus is they're always mentioning that in the context of organizational or even team or division or whatever, in terms of, the strategy for the organization. But interestingly, at the same time, they don't really spend a whole lot of time saying, hey, let's figure out how to get the right people on our bus. They say, hey, look, in order to do great strategy, in order to achieve the strategy, we're going to talk about how you can get there. We want you to have
0: the right people on your bus. Okay, enough about people. Let's right. talk about strategy. Right. It was that important. You, you, you'd yeah. spend a few minutes talking about how the yeah. heck they're going to make that stuff happen. How are you going to get the right if, people on the bus? If you read those books on strategy, you'll find
1: less than a chapter, sometimes a paragraph, and no more about getting the right people on your bus. I don't know why people write books like that. It's like, wait, I thought you said that. Having the right people on my team was more important than choosing the right strategy. Okay, fine. Please spend at least a chapter telling me how to get the right, get the right people on my team. But they don't do it. So, look, we're manager tools. We're going to clean up their mess. We're going to help you understand
0: how to get the right people on your bus. All right. Before we get into interviewing, though, we got to address the issue that I know a lot of folks are going to have. And I can sympathize a little bit here or empathize. Right. The idea that this whole process of interviewing... As a process it's a pretty crappy process right oh i I would agree and it's fraught with error and you can do it perfectly and still get bad people there's all sorts of errors (laughs) so for so those of us who are engineers we'd like a better process i'm sorry did you confuse this cast with one that was titled interviewing is great
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah look there are all kinds of people who say there are better ways to evaluate what we'll call human capital, right? They say, well, we should just test them because we wouldn't want some manager's emotional connection with a particular person to cloud their judgment. Look, folks, no offense. If you're dealing with two people, two professionals, two people who've never met, two people who are best friends, if you're going to expect their emotions not to cloud their, quote, judgment, unquote, you are smoking crack. Human beings use emotion as a part of a complex set of thought processes in order to determine what they're going to do. The reason the word emotion and motion are so closely related is because human beings do things not because of what they think, listen up, you high seas, but because of how they feel about what they think. But look, some people say, All I want to do is test people. Some people say, Interviewing is, is is an artificial reality. We don't do interviews at all. And what we'll do is we'll hire almost anybody who meets the minimum criteria, and we'll just give them a long probationary period. We'll only assign them to managers who are really, really good. And those managers will give them lots of feedback. And If they give lots of negative feedback, well, then we'll let that person go. And look, all of those discussions are, in, in my opinion, Mike, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, those are intellectual arguments. The fact is, the standing model for evaluating human capital and determining fit, both for a job and for an organization, is interviewing. All the other things are interesting ideas, but they're non-starters in the real world that most of us live in as managers. You know, we've paraphrased Churchill before. He said, democracy is the second worst form of government, um, and all the others are tied for last. Look... We use that as a way to poke fun at interviewing. He could have, in fact, said the same thing about interviewing. Interviewing is the worst way to bring somebody into your organization. And all the other ways you could consider bringing them into your organization, they're all tight for last. Or I'm sorry, he would have said the second worst way. Interviewing is not a great system. We're not suggesting that if you learn how to be a great interviewer, then magically interviewing will be a great system for you. It's not a great system but everything else that we've ever seen or heard about or people have suggested to us is by definition much worse, okay? And frankly, in the last couple of years, one of the things I've learned is I actually have come to believe interviewing is a great system. The reason we say it's a terrible system is thanks to the Christmas rule, we're all terrible at it. And so, therefore, we really don't have a lot of credibility to judge the system of interviewing when we're not very good at it. It's a bit like being a little eager in American baseball and saying, well, I disagree with the way the, the rules are written because I think it should be easier for me to hit the ball. Well, okay, that's nice, but it's really not relevant. They're going to keep pitching the ball because that's the rules of baseball.
0: Yeah, I thought it was, when I was in Little League, I thought it was a pretty stupid game since it, it was impossible to hit the ball, <laughs> <laughs> and and nobody was throwing major league curveballs at you yet either,
1: right? No. Um, the fact is, if we get good at it, folks, look, we've said it before, and and twenty years from now, Mike and I will still be joking with the number of things we've quote said before unquote. But look, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed person is king or queen. Okay. The average manager doesn't work hard enough at developing relationships, at providing performance communications, and asking for more, and, and pushing responsibilities down to the lowest level. And for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know I just essentially paralleled or mirrored the whole idea of the management trinity, one-on-ones feedback, coaching, and delegation. By the same token, you don't have to be terribly good to be considered in terms of this particular skill to be considered a good interviewer. You just have to know some things that would make you better than the vast majority of managers who stink at it. And that's what this series is about. The fact is we're stuck with interviewing as a way to select people. Choosing the right people is the most important decision, the most important choice that managers make. And so interviewing is something we as managers ought to be exceptional at. And, And folks, I can promise you this. If you send me an email sometime in the next six months or a year or two or three years as we roll out these series of casts, I'm going to be very blunt with you. You will not change my mind about that. You may have a better argument, but after 25 years, what I know is this. Managers who hire better than others and then invest in relationships and then are candid about performance and about development outperform other managers so far, it's as if they're not even running the same race. Hire the right people, get to know them, and then speak candidly to them about their performance. And you don't have to be terribly smart. You don't have to be terribly interested in growing your career. You will simply outperform all the other managers. If you want a meritocracy, the way to get it is by hiring the right people and then engaging in the management trinity. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, I wonder if managers don't often spend as much time as they probably should or as much as we'd recommend on interviewing because they don't, maybe they understand it at some level, but they don't think about it too much, which the idea that the quality of people is the most valuable organizational discriminator. Oh, this is,
1: this is huge. This is huge. But look, what you just said, Mike, is, is, is a mouthful to most people. You say it again, though. Quality of the people that you bring in or that are in your organization is the most valuable
0: discriminator that organizations have. Yeah, they don't think about. It, but I don't think when they're making hiring decisions, they're thinking at as yeah. the organization, oh. like the organization oh. would like them to think, right? They're yeah. thinking about I, I got this short term requirement. I've got I've got to fill this position, right? Yep. And and that's what they're thinking about. They're thinking about filling position. They're not yeah. thinking about growing organizational capacity. And organizations grow capacity one hiring decision at a time. That's how it happens. Exactly, and, and they think of.
1: Probably most managers, when they think about adding organizational capacity, they think, well, the company's got probably got some system, right? Or they probably got some mentality or they've got an approach that's helpful. But that individual manager doesn't think about that. He or she doesn't know what it is. And then they go about hiring somebody. And what are they hiring for? Their individual opening. And unfortunately, what we, what you and I know having hired in the past is that What's the single big driver about whether or not you can hire, whether or not you have an open requisition, right? At least in the US, that's what it's called, an open requisition. But for most managers, the question is, can I fill this hole
0: on my team, right? Isn't, right. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're thinking, because until that hole is filled, they or somebody else on their team has extra work, and they're trying to eliminate yeah. that extra work.
1: Yeah. And yet they miss the point they scope it down to something they can handle, which is I got to fill this opening. But the fact is every new hire adds or subtracts from, frankly, the organizational capability, the human capacity, the human potential, the human potential productivity of the entire organization. Right.
0: Given that being true, it just boggles my mind that organizations don't spend more time on this very subject, given that if they wanna grow organizational capacity, they have to get better people, and they get better people one hire at a time, yet spend no time training folks on it.
1: Yeah, the whole no time training on it, I think there are two approaches to that. One is, some companies have as a general model the idea that multiple people have to interview a particular candidate. And look, that's a good way to address every individual manager not knowing what the hell they're doing. The other piece of it is, I think a lot of companies would say, we don't know what to teach. How can we reduce the degrees of freedom in the process that managers go through? Now, look, there's a lot of companies who teach the idea of behavioral interviewing, but I would be willing to bet out of any hundred companies that you and I know Five to 10 maybe are teaching the concept of behavioral interviewing, which is really not, we're not even going to talk about that in this cast because even if you give behavioral interviews, if you only give one, you're not going to be as good as somebody who gives multiple interviews. And again, take it a step further. Let's go back to the Christmas rule, right? If you don't do it that often, if as a manager listening right now and you you think we sound strident, we intend to sound strident. We're not suggesting you're terrible at it and you'll never get better, right? This is not the dark mark talking. On the other hand, what we know is if you want to get better and your company's not delivering it, in part is because they don't know how to deliver it. And what we're going to do in this series is tell you exactly how to deliver an effective interview. It's not, not rocket science. And by the way, folks, if you ever want to interview or if you ever want to hire somebody who really needs as a function of their role in the next 12 to 18 months in your, in your organization, who really needs to be good at interviewing. A suggestion. It's a minor suggestion that don't make this cast all about this, but look, it's not hard. Pay special attention to those people who have been line managers and had to build a team in a company going through rapid growth. What that means is they interviewed a lot of people, all things being equal. If you, if you look at two people who are sitting in front of you and you assume that their intellect is roughly equal, you look at their titles and they're roughly equal. But one of it, one of them has interviewed 500 people and the other other has interviewed three. Guess what? The young lady who has interviewed 500 is going to be a better interviewer, all things being equal than the person who's interviewed only three. And if you're going through a growth period and you hire a bunch of managers who don't know how to interview, you're going to be in a tough spot pretty quickly because you're going to have to do all the interviews when you realize they don't know what they're doing. We actually recommend this is a hiring criteria if you're going to hire managers. If you're a director and you're hiring managers and in the next two to three years you expect some growth to happen, you better hire people who know how to interview. Or if you don't, you better have a plan to make them good at interviewing within 12 to 18 months. Okay, now, we've alluded to this, but let me say it really bluntly. For you managers who are listening, we know that interviewing fills your position. We know hiring up somebody who you've interviewed and liked fills your position. We know that's what you're thinking about. But the fact is, the bigger problem or the bigger solution is, when you hire somebody, it adds new human capital to your entire firm as well. In the U.S., folks, there's an old joke about someone leaving one of the two political parties to join the other one. And somebody from the party who was losing that person said, the average IQ of both parties just went up, which is a really clever and intellectual slam on somebody's intellect, right? Right but look, let's translate that interviewing. If you hire somebody less valuable to your firm than its average employee, that's a long-term cost for the firm in terms of productivity long-term. It's a bad bet for you to make that call, okay? On the other hand, if you raise the bar, which by the way was the title I think of our very first cast about interviewing and hiring. If you raise the bar by saying, I'll only take somebody who's really, really a step or notch above, if you hire above the norm, you're gonna help the organization. Certainly, it will help your team in the short run, but in the long term, your organization will have more raw human capital to grow and develop, and that will be your competitive advantage. Look, most effective executives that we know would say if they had a choice between two opportunities One that that was really a great idea with some good people around it, and another one with great people and a good idea, all of the effective managers we know would choose the great people choice with the good idea rather than the great idea choice with the good people. Effective executives know that people are the one constant in all the change and growth that organizations put us through as individuals. If you have good people, things will tend to resolve themselves and work towards a positive outcome. If you have average people or people who are not effective, you will be fighting a losing battle, particularly as your industry and your marketplace gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And what do we know about uh, about many, many things in the organizational world? Relationships decay and margins decay. And if you have less effective people working for you, your margins will decay faster. People are what action things, not systems. We said it before, we'll say it again. Average people with great systems are probably likely to produce okay, maybe even slightly better than okay results. Great people, on the other hand, even if you give them crappy systems, will achieve excellence over and over and over again. Because it is not systems that drive organizations, it is people.
0: Yeah, you said earlier, I guess the second point we're gonna cover here was that quality of people is based on raw material, right? so the quality of people that we hire, plus development. So what about the idea of, well, okay, so yeah, hiring's important, but look, I'm a smart guy, right? We got a good development program here. So even if we get average people, yeah, We could develop them into great individual contributors, great managers, great executives.
1: Yeah, there's, there, there's a couple of faults with that. Essentially, what you're saying is the only two ways we have as an organization to address the quality of our people long-term in the organization is either to affect the input quality, right, to hire top-notch performers, or to develop people really, really well. The problem with the idea of hiring an average or below average person and the developing them is... first of all, most managers are not good at developing people, right? I mean, Mike, how many times have we heard people say, I don't want to do one-on-ones. I don't really think I need to do feedback. They ought to know what their job is and they ought to just do it because they're a professional. How many times have we heard a 23 or 24 or 25 or maybe even 26 or even 28-year-old manager say to us, why should I have to give them feedback? They should know what their job is. Yeah, and in fact, times it count. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the funny thing about that is, it was literally a 26 year old manager who convinced me. In a moment, I had an epiphany when she said to me, "Mark, they should know what their job is." That I realized the word "should" and managerial behavior ought not to go together. Right? That's a classic mistake that that newer or fresher managers tend to make. Most managers simply don't have the skills to overcome with developmental abilities, they don't have the ability to develop their folks, particularly if those folks are, are are average or below average. But there's another piece of it as well. Let's assume for a moment that all things are equal, that I have a 100 managers in my firm and they're all roughly able to develop people as good as this other firm over here that has other managers, 100 managers working for it. Okay, fine. Maybe we think our people are pretty good and, and our competitor is pretty good. But why wouldn't we want to hire above average or even exceptional people and then give those people to our managers who really have very good or, or solid ability in terms of developing people? Why would we say, well, our managers are good at developing people, so therefore we'll hire below average people? It seems to me the only reason you would do that is because they're cheaper, but in fact, most organizations nowadays provide salary structures such that you're really not going to save a great deal of money by hiring a weak person and then relying on the developmental programs of the organization to make them better. More importantly, if I can hire somebody who scored a 40 on a test or I can hire somebody who hired an eight, who scored an 80 on a test and I can pay them the same amount, why would I hire the person at 40? I never have gotten that. Okay, all right, so I had a stupid idea, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's a a good question. And look, it's really simple. If you want a shot at a world-class result, and and look, frankly, folks, as professionals, we're really obligated to want that shot, okay? You've got to do both. You've got to address that initial quality coming in, and then you've got to invest like crazy at developing the person that you bring in, whether they're high or low quality. And yet,
0: how many managers know how to address the initial quality of people? Not many. So hopefully now we've convinced you that what all this all means is that you're going to have to learn how to interview. Yeah. And you're going to have to learn how to interview well. Right.
1: And frankly, if they're already a manager, they have to learn how to do it well and pretty darn fast.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're already a manager and you don't know yeah. how to do it, you you better get you better get going. Let, let me let me say something that'll probably feel like a poke in the eye to some of you.
1: I don't mean it specifically, but it's but it's a thought process I want you to to get your or it's a thought experiment I want you to get your arms around. It's really simple. If you're already a manager and you don't know how to hire, pe- how to hire people and If you don't know what it is that makes for a good hiring manager, I'll be very blunt. If nobody's trained you how to interview and how to make decisions about whom to hire, then you don't know what you're doing. If you're already a manager and you don't know what you're doing, you've already made a mistake. If you would say to Mike and I at this moment, well, Mark, I've only hired one person and she turned out great. I would say you still made a mistake because you sent her A, the wrong message and B, you probably missed an opportunity to hire somebody even better than her simply because you didn't understand the criteria and you didn't understand the process. And look, I don't want to beat you up about that. I've been there.
0: I did it myself and there's a better way and that's why we're here. Right. So... We're going to end this one here, and next week we're going to get into the the nitty-gritty details. So hopefully at this point we've convinced you this is important. You ought to be paying attention for the next number of casts that come out here over the course of the next couple of years on this important topic.
1: And and I know I've probably harangued everybody a little bit here, Mike, but let me say it again, over and over and over again. In fact, I was on on a phone with a potential client earlier this week, and I said to them, if you tied me down and said you can only teach one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? I repeated what I've said for 20 years, much to my chagrin in the beginning, and that was one-on-ones. And then I added for this particular client, whom I think is going to hire us, I said to them, and if you really want to be great, pair one-on-ones with what really matters, which is hiring the right people. Not terribly hard, not run by HR, and yet very few managers know it. Learning how to be an effective hiring manager We'll make it easier for you to be an effective executive as well, 5, 10, 15, 20
0: years down the road when that happens to you. Good. All right. We'll be picking this up again shortly. Good. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, partner. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it for part one of chapter one of conducting Multiple Interviews. Yeah, and if you're confused, so am I. <laughs> Anyways, part two is going to be next week. See you then. Bye.